Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker, coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me, as usual, my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. As a special gift to all our listeners, pop along to www.excellencepodcast.com that's excellencepodcast.com and download your free 48-page ebook called Building Excellence Ideas to Help You on Your Journey to Creating Excellence in Your Business and Your Life. And today our special guest is Ari Galper. Ari's based in Sydney, Australia and is the world's number one authority on trust-based selling. Absolutely delighted to have you with us today, Ari. Welcome. Thank you, Lindsay. Appreciate it. Thank you, Rel, as well. Um, Ari, well, what's the story behind the concept of um, uh, trust-based selling? You, you're the, the guru on this stuff. Um, give us some background. Sure. Well, I actually started, uh, I had experience, it happened about 20 years ago when I was a um, sales manager in a software company, and we launched the first online website data collection tools now called Google Analytics. But essentially, you can collect website behavior. I'm sure you heard that before. But those early days, we launched this new product, and um, I was in charge of 18 uh, salespeople underneath me. And the big opportunities came my way, the big leads. And this one lead came across my desk. It was a big company. You recognize the name. And I called back to contact. We had a nice conversation. And he agreed to a demo of our product um, to show him how it works. And it was such a big opportunity. If I close this one sale, it double turnover in one, one go. That's how big it was. So the day finally came, Friday, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I went to the conference room with, my, with our director, and I closed the door behind me. It was a big, long conference table. In the middle of the table is a speakerphone, the, the, the sort of spaceship ones, corporate ones. And I dialed the number to, to call him on the phone, and he picks it up, says hello. And I said, hey, how are you? Good. And then he says to me, Ari, let me tell you who else is with, with us on the line here today. I said, great. I didn't know there'd be anybody else there. Next thing I hear is, my name is Mike. I'm CEO. I was like, oh, CEO. That's good. My name is John. I'm head of IT. Oh, this is even better. My name is Julia. I'm head of global marketing. This is even better. I mean, everybody on this phone call was basically a decision maker. Excellent. This is what we hope to get as often as possible, right? Yeah. So I introduced myself. I began to give them a live demonstration over the web of the tool. We collected their information ahead of time on their websites. And I'm showing this to them and describing how it works. And I started hearing this noise on the phone call, like, wow, this is great. This is amazing. They start asking me all kinds of questions. How does it work? How do we install it? How does tech work? And I don't know the answers. I was competent. I studied the sales books and I was answering questions. And there was so much chemistry on this phone call, guys. It was like a love fest on the phone. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. They got the questions. I had the answers. It was like, this could not have been more perfect. So what could go wrong here, Ari? Exactly. And I got the high five with my boss and the shoulder. He's like, you know, thumbs up. Nice job. And the call, it's about an hour call. They're very excited about the opportunity. They can use uh, work with our tool. And the call comes to a close. And um, we see our goodbyes. And my contact says to me, Ari, thank you so much. We love this. Give us a call in a couple of weeks. Follow up with us. And we'll move this thing forward. I said to myself, oh, thank you. 
I was so excited. I mean, what an amazing opportunity. And uh, I said my goodbyes. I took my arm and I reached for the speakerphone and the table hit the off button. As I'm reaching for the off button by complete accident, now it's a divine intervention. My thumb hit the mute button instead of the off button ah. by complete accident. And a small click happened and they thought I hung up the phone. And that split second, a voice inside of me said, Ari, go to the dark side. Be a fly on the wall. Listen, you got nothing to lose. <laughs> and, uh, and they started talking amongst themselves, thinking I had left the call. Now, what would you expect them to say on a call like that? Not a trick question. What would you imagine they would have said after we had a call like that? What would you guess? Well, based on what you've said so far, I'm thinking they're going to be going, this, this, this stuff sounds good. Uh, this Ari knows his stuff, you know. Uh, you know, how can we implement? Wonder what that's going to cost, you know. That's what you expect. Yep. But uh, let me tell you what they said verbatim, word for word. It's why we're all here today. And what they said was this. They said, we're not going to go with him. Keep using him for more information. And make sure we shop someplace else cheaper. Knife wow. in heart twist. I was in a state of shock. I finally snapped out of it, hit the off button, looked at the wall and said to myself, what did I do wrong? And the first big epiphany hit me. And that was this. You guys can tell me if you agree with this or not. That somewhere along the way, it has become socially acceptable not to tell the truth to people who sell, right? Yeah. It's okay to say things like, sounds good. Yeah. Send me information. Oh, we're definitely what? We're definitely interested. Yeah. No, wait, set us a proposal. Yeah, the, the greatest uh, get off the hook job ever. Send me a proposal. Without any intention of buying. And I asked myself, why were they afraid to tell me the truth? Why not just tell me where they stand? And I realized that moment. There is a sort of in, invisible kind of flow of pressure that flows underneath every sales call you have somebody. Now, they can't see it and you can't see it, but if you don't consciously remove the pressure from the process pre-sale, they will always feel comfortable not telling you the full truth and you'll always be guessing and hoping you'll make the sale and you'll be chasing people and chasing people, playing the numbers game and wondering why a sale is so painful. And that became my whole revolutionary moment where I developed my unlock the sales game approach where the whole concept is you shift your mindset away from the sale and you focus on building uh, what I call a bubble of vulnerability with someone to build enough trust with them so they feel comfortable telling you where you stand so you no longer guess where to go next. That became the premise behind our Unlock the Game trust-based selling philosophy and system. Okay, but but they, you know, I mean, yes, they were probably unethical because they said use you for your information, but, but I, you know, they, they said something in that story which was, we're going to find somebody cheaper. Now, now, from a sales point of view, does that mean that they were only price-driven or they were just incredibly price-sensitive? And then how does that affect how we sell and, and how we, you know, people can love you and go to this love fest and really trust you, but if they're price-driven or price-sensitive, you can be the greatest person and the greatest friend, but you may not get the sale either. So, so how does that, how do those two balance out? Well, that's the key you have to get out from the beginning of the process, which I didn't do back then. You see, 
back then I just spilled out the product and I closed my eyes and I hope they would like it and I hope they would buy it. But if I knew now what I knew and I had the same scenario happen back then, if I took what I knew now, I never would have had the call in the first place. So what would you have done? I mean, how would you have handled that? I would have flushed out with a gentleman in advance of our conversation. I would have built enough trust with him to get to the truth of what their agenda was before I decided to proceed. Okay. Interesting one. So, Ari, you're a prolific author, and I've got sitting on my desk here four or five of your books. Uh, you, you've written a lot of really interesting stuff. So one of the things you've written about is sales myths. Um, what are what are some sales myths that need to be debunked for our listeners? Sure. There are there are three core myths to deprogram out of your mind to kind of clear the hard drive, hard drive out to put some new ideas and we'll work on now. So I'm sure you've probably heard them before. Number one is that sales is a numbers game. <laughs> yes, I've been told that before. I'm sure you both have. Yeah, that's where the idea is the more contacts you make, the more sales hope we're supposed to make. Well, we discover in this economy now, it's not about how many contacts you make anymore. It's about how deep you go on each conversation, how good you are at trust building, not how good you are, how big your network is, or how many contacts you make. The second myth is this idea of the sale is lost at the end of the process. And I'm sure you've been there before where you had a deal pending, you work hard for it, at the end it just fell through, it just disappears on you, you wonder what happened, it was a perfect fit for the beginning. Well, we discovered in this day and age now, the sale is not lost anymore at the end of the process, it's actually lost at the beginning of the process, even at hello, and I'll prove it to you right now in a fun way. If someone calls your office tomorrow morning, and you pick up the phone, and you hear, hi, my name is... I'm with, we are a, what goes through your mind in about three seconds? <laughs> what do they want to sell me? And, and are they calling me from some sub Southeast Asian call center? <laughs> it's over at hello, isn't it? And uh, I'll make the case today for many of your listeners, you are losing your opportunities, not at the end of your process anymore. You're losing it at the beginning. I'm not saying you're doing outbound calling if you're saying, but I will suggest to you that the big opportunity to be lost from the beginning because there's no trust there. The last myth is this idea that rejection is part of the sales process. That came from the old manager who said, hey, you can't take a no. If you're not tough enough, if you're not thick-skinned enough, you're not made for success. Well, guess what we figured out? We figured out that rejection actually is triggered by certain things you say and do unconsciously that cause the other person to resist and push back on you and forcing you to chase them. We'll discuss that in a few minutes, what those triggers are as well. Okay. So, okay. so um, that, that's interesting. How do, how do we turn this around then? You, you, you've given us some interesting myths, but how do we overcome them? So what do you mean exactly? Which one do you mean? What, well, um, you know, uh, you talked about rejection. Um, yeah, uh, you know. So, how do we um, how do we deal with that in a positive way that's going to help us make this up? Well, we don't deal with that because we never make it happen. You eliminate rejection. There are okay. certain things you stop saying. I'll give you an example right now. Uh, I'll ask all of your listeners to take an oath with me, a verbal oath, not a legal one, but a verbal one, to remove one key phrase forever out of the vocabulary as of today. I've got now, my hand in my heart, buddy. Go. 
And then if you've been in sales for a while, this might hurt just a bit. Hopefully that's okay. Um, so I'm going to ask all your listeners to never again use the phrase follow-up ever again as of today. Okay. And instead of follow-up? What's the only industry in the world to use the word follow-up? Doctors. Hi, I'm giving you a call to? Follow-up. Sales. I'm calling to move things forward. I'm calling to check in. The touch base, these are all 1980s languaging that we're still using today, which is so archaic, and associates you with a negative person stereotype. So... Don't use that as languaging ever again as of today. Instead, you want to say this. We have a whole body of work around what we call trust-based languaging. Phrase that replace the old school song that we still carry with us in the back of our minds. So here's what you say instead. You say, I'm giving you a ring. I'm giving you a call to see if you have any feedback on our previous conversation, any feedback on our last meeting, any feedback on our proposal. And if you see feedback's going backwards, not forwards, because the goal is not to create momentum in the process. Momentum puts pressure on people and pressure creates rejection. If you can be aware of your own behaviors that actually trigger that momentum to occur and you eliminate rejection. So, so how does that, I mean, there, there are still many people around the world who call themselves HTCs, right? High ticket closers, okay, and and I and I was listening on a on a, a webinar the other day um, uh, to one guy who who trains teams about high ticket closing, and uh, yes, it was US based, and I have to say that, and 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 I listened to that, and and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up because I thought if they tried any of this language on me, I would just you know, put the phone down. I wouldn't even be that nice to say, sorry, you know, uh, you, your price is too high, low, find some other excuse. I just would not be nice. I mean, give me some more examples about the core, the core principles. So, so you've moved from this, this traditional sales script to this trust-based languaging. So, so the traditional sales-based script is, you know, you never take no for an answer and you keep hammering them until you finally found a hook to get in. You know, wh- what's the core of your approach and how does it work? Great. So let me kind of walk you through a couple of principles and I'll give you some examples of, of, to answer your question, okay? The first principle is the idea behind our model and our philosophy and system is called, is, is basically number one is always be diffusing pressure, taking pressure out of the conversation. Now, how you do that is using our trust-based languaging. And I'll give you an example right now. Uh, of, of, it's pretty common. You, you can use right away if you hear this. Let's, get, let's do a common scenario. Let's say you're having a call with somebody over the phone, and they're qualified, a good prospect. It's a good conversation. Could be a good fit. It looks good. And the call kind of comes to an end. What do we normally say to somebody at the end of a call like that? What are we trained to say to someone? We see an opportunity and we're trained to sell. What's our normal step to do to move them to the next step? What do we say to someone usually? Well, it'll be something like, um, uh, you know, are you interested in buying or I'm going to follow up. Uh, I want to touch. Let's keep in touch. Let's keep the conversation going. Uh, Come back to me with uh, any questions. Yes. We are conditioned and programmed to move things 
forward. But what happens if you try and move things forward and they aren't ready yet? What do you break right there at the beginning of the process with them? Well, the yeah, trust is out the window, isn't break it? Break the trust, sure. That's yeah. right. So same scenario, but our approach and our mindset, okay? Call is going well. Qualified customer. Call comes to an end. Rather than saying, hey, how about we go to a next step? What we say instead is this. We say, where do you think we should go from here? And I'll say it again. Where do you think we should go from here? Now, how does that change the dynamic of the moment? Well, you may, you, you, you're giving them some of the responsibility and there's no pressure. They are then able to say, oh, look, I don't think it's good for me. And, and then it kills the conversation. But they're not feeling any pressure because you've given them the opportunity to respond. Usually when you say to somebody, where do you think we should go from here? They're usually in a state of shock. <laughs> they can't believe somebody in business would actually ask them what they want to do. This is unheard of. And usually they say things like, uh, I, I've got one more question. Or what about this? All of a sudden, you know what comes out? The truth. And that's your goal from now on. Your goal is to build enough trust with them to bring the truth out so you're not playing the game with them and chasing them, hoping you'll get the sale and being dragged down that dehumanizing dysfunctional process that everybody hates so much. Well, you know, Lindsay and I both work heavily in the in the space of, of behavioral behavioral analysis and behavioral tools. And and in fact, if you use the, the DISC tool, which is probably the, the oldest and, and most well-used tool, they say that the D, the, the dominance, is the only of the four behavioral styles that doesn't mind a hard sell salesman that is actually happy to be sold to because they just want to make a decision and they want to make it quickly and it's price-based and then they're done. But the other statistic that's very telling is that somewhere between, depending on what country you're in, between 10 and 14% of population are D or high D, dominance. And so that means about 90% of your population you cannot sell to. And, and I say that and Lindsay says that all the time in presentations and people look at us like, what do you mean you can't sell to them? You know, and, and, and so our standard line that we've used before is you've got to create an environment that makes it easy for them to buy. And, and I can see exactly where how, how the trust-based selling fits into that because all you've spoken about is creating this environment that makes it easy for them to buy. So, so what are the other core principles behind sure. your approach? You have another one, and that's the idea of, being a problem, uh, actually, no, getting what I call getting to the truth of people. Get to the truth. Now, what does that mean? What that means is having the other person feel comfortable telling you where they stand every step of the way. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, I recently got a phone call that got through my team, got to me unscheduled. I picked the phone up and I heard this. I heard Mr. Galper. I said, yes. Uh, my name is John Johnson, changed the name. I'm with XYZ Company. Uh, they're a big business. They're across the whole world. They're huge. And he says to me, we're looking to bring on someone to change our sales culture and performance. We're looking at you and two other people. We'd like to know, first of all, 
Why should we go with you? Why are you the best? And give me your best sales pitch. He says this to me, of all people in the world. <laughs> so, so they're a big company. I'm a human being too. I took a deep breath. I lowered my voice. I got centered my mindset. And I proceeded to say this to him. What I said was this. I said, well, isn't that interesting? Oh, there's more. Don't worry. There's more. There's more. Don't worry. Yeah, no, I'm going to say, like, so, so if I was on the other end of that phone, I'd be going, okay, so is this guy taking me on? Or, you know, because I've asked him three questions and he said, that's interesting. Is he, you know, and, and I, but I understand lowering your voice is a very, is a great technique because it, it, it gives the other person sort of power in the conversation. Well, when you lower your voice and half the, this is delivery, when you, when you are lower your voice and slow things down, they get more humanized. They let go of their sales armor around them. They, they, they let their shoulder. That's what happened. I said to him, isn't that interesting? Then I said this to him. I said, over here, our company, we have a similar process to you where we ask some questions, gather information to see if we're a good fit. And if we're a good fit, we decide where to go from there. And I said to him, would you be open to that? And then there was dead silence in the phone, not a word. And I could, I felt the breath across the phone. He actually breathed this out of relief. His shoulders came down. I felt him kind of relaxing, becoming human again. He lowers his voice and he says to me, uh, okay, what kind of questions do you have for me? Next thing I know, within five minutes, I discover one, He's not a decision maker. Two, he has no budget. And three, he's just curious as to what I do. And off he went to some YouTube videos of mine. We hung up the phone. Now, what did my process to save me months of? Yeah, proposals. <laughs> what else? Maybe waste a lot of time and effort, that's for sure. Chasing, time. You know what? This is drug in our bodies as latent and it's triggered with inbound calls like that. You know, you know, what the drug is called. No. It's called hopium. hopium. <laughs> I like it. You know, the hopium drug, you get the inbound call like, oh, yeah, I got the yeah. call for the big company. I'm so excited. You go to your team, you go to your husband and wife are going to go feature this year. Yeah, you're so excited. You got the call inbound. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Then what you do after that, you call them up to follow up and you get their what? You get their voicemail. Like, what the? He's not, what? He's not there. Then what do you do next? You go to your computer and you write, hi, I'm writing you to what? To follow up. Yeah. And there you are all over again using languaging and chasing ghosts and now you're stuck in the vortex wondering why sales sucks because you got yourself there because the conditioning and training of the past and what you think the process is that's why this requires a total mindset shift of letting go of the angle and focusing on trust only to get to the truth well you know lindsay's lindsay's known around the world as the relationships guy so Lindsay spends his life talking to people about building relationships. And, and a lot of that is, 
is exactly that. I mean, I don't think we've defined it as much as, you know, the trust-based language and trust-based selling, but but it is about, and having having worked with Lindsay for a number of years, the number of people that trust him intuitively around the world because he's built relationships with them has been, I can say that, not Lindsay. If he said that, you'd think he was mad, but okay. Ari, <laughs> um, um, t- tell me something. You, Throughout this process, part of the, the driving and part of the books that you've you, you sent both Lindsay, well, you sent me two sets and I sent one to Lindsay, um, was about your drivers for your son. And, and how has that, that shaped you now? So part of it is, you know, you, you've given some fantastic ideas around selling and, and trust-based selling, but part of the motivation for people in life and in work and in business is about what intrinsically drives them, you know. And and so what came to me out of the book that, that you sent me was how much that shaped your path and your destiny. Do you want to, you know, fill the listeners in a little bit on, on your son and how that's shaped where you are? Sure. So uh, my son, Toby, after about a day after he was born, we were told that he had Down syndrome. And at first, we didn't know what that meant to our lives. And we realized we had a gift on our hands. If you know someone has Down syndrome, you know they have special gifts. They're transparent. They're loving. They're honest. They have no hidden agenda. And he inspired me so much. Wrote a book about him called Lessons from Toby: How to Be Centered in Your Personal Business Life. And and, and his view of the world is what I infuse throughout my whole process because it's about transparency and honesty. And I say one day, if, if he ever goes into sales, he's now going to be eighteen years old this year. If he goes into sales one day, imagine how he would be with people. He'd be so uh, focused on them. He wouldn't think about himself. He would. He is the role model I believe we have to become. We have to become as pure as him because we have so much crap in the back of our heads about our own agenda, about our own goals, about a hidden agenda, or trying to do with people a next step. We are. We cannot be present anymore, a hundred percent, because our minds rolling already past the conversation. So. We teach people how to be like him, be present, be centered, how to connect with people, how to unpack their issues like a doctor-patient relationship. You're the doctor, you're the patient, and you focus in on that connection. That's, I mean, so, yeah, I was confused when I first saw the book because I had all these books arrive in a beautiful box, by the way, which I borrowed, okay? I borrowed the idea because... So, so I, when your first package arrived, I looked at it and I thought, I'm going to be doing that for my corporate packaging. And so I, mine is different. I have behind me on, uh, in, in, the, in the backdrop, which our listeners can't see, obviously, because this is audio only, um, there are a number of wooden blocks that define the things that I look at in business and business excellence. And I have a, a little set of toy wooden blocks that goes in a box with a copy of my book. And a letter explaining the wooden blocks and how they fit together in their organization. But that was inspired by the box of books arriving on my desk um, from your organization. So just so to give you some, some sort of positive feedback. But in there was the book on Toby. And, and I knew that that must be a driver, but it's always nice to, you know, I read the blurb and I read the stories and I read the, and, 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 and my wife works in, in the field of, of, of um of special needs or 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 neurodiversity and and 
you know, showed it to her. And she also said, well, look, I'd hear, like to hear from Murray, his real, you know, how that shaped him. So thank you very much for sharing, for sharing that with us. Ari, I hate to do this, mate. We, uh, there's so much we could talk about, but we are out of time. Um, if our listeners would like to get in touch with you, what's the simplest way for them to do that? Best place to go to is uh, www.unlockthegame.com. Just like it sounds, unlockthegame.com. And there's a free intro course there, as well as uh, a chance to have a chat with our team about your situation and to see if this applies to your uh, model and your and your situation to help you. Well, that's perfect. Thank you very much, Ari Galpa. And to my co-host, Lindsay Adams, thank you for being part of this episode of the Business Excellence Podcast. And a short reminder for our listeners to pop along to excellencepodcast.com, where you can get lots of free resources, including two 48-page eBooks that will help you on your journey to business excellence and excellence in life and in business.